Well, last week we looked at the reality that God takes the dark times in our life that we all face, and he can take those and do some pretty amazing things in our life as we let him uh, lead through those. Uh, We need to remember, of course, we live in a dark world uh, with a lot of ugliness and evil everywhere, hardship coming on, but God uses those things to shepherd us, to guide us to the places and through the experiences that we need to to become the people he wants us to be. And they come, uh, it seems like, often, uh, and they come regularly, but the question becomes, how do we deal with them? And that's what I want to talk with you this morning about, is the idea of how to walk through the darkness. How do you get through those seasons? How do you go through those and come out on the other side with uh, all your brains intact, (laughs) maybe literally for some in this world? But this morning we turn to the 13th Psalm where David reveals a time in his life when he was going through darkness. Now, when you read the 13th uh, Psalm, there's only six verses, and there's no clear evidence of the setting. So we can't say with definitive uh, authority and, 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 and confidence that he said this is when it was. But he talks about an incident, whether we know what the details are or not, a situation that is common to all of us. It's a time when we go through a hardship, a time we go through a darkness, It may have been for him a time when he made a serious mistake. Think his missteps with Bathsheba and the affair he had. Not Bathsheba, yeah. It may uh, have been an attack from someone in life. Think of a time when his son tried to usurp the throne. Think of another time in his life when things were difficult, when he was on the run from King Saul, for example, and he was about to be killed, and he was trying to figure out how to go through that. We may not have to go through what he went through, but we all go through seasons, don't we, where things are hard, where things are difficult, where things are not pleasant. How do we get through those? Because it's very easy, isn't it, at times when the things get tough, when things get hard, that we just kind of go, I'm going to give up. And we descend into despair and we go, what in the world? I don't want to go on. But I believe that there is a better way, a more God-honoring way, where we can walk through those dark times and let God lead us through them. And so in David's psalm, what he does here is he shares uh, a dark season, undeterminate dark season, but a dark season nonetheless, and then he gives two steps uh, to move forward. So we could call this David's two-step, I guess, Uh, but it wouldn't be quite the same thing as what you might have just thought when I said that. First of all, let's look at verses 1 and 2. How long, O Lord, will you forget me? forever. How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I seek and take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? There's a reality in these two verses that I want you to grasp in in a big picture, and it's this, is that desperation inevitably comes to our lives. We inevitably face times when we think, How am I going to go through this? How am I going to keep going forward? How is it that it seems the Lord has abandoned me? How is it that I've been looking like I'm left all alone? How is it to feel that I'm having to talk to myself because nobody else will talk to me? How often do we get to those places? And I think these questions are questions that every single one of us can relate to. Maybe not every single day we face that. Well, that'd be tough, wouldn't it? But we face these seasons in life, and we ask these questions. How many times have you asked yourself that same question? Lord, where are you? Lord, you seem to have forgotten me. 
Lord, where are you at? I can't see your face. I can't sense your presence. I can't sense your reality around me. God, where are you? I don't know about you, but I feel that sometimes, don't I? I feel that, that sense of God leaving me alone. The feeling that I've been neglected by God is a very real experience that I think all of us deal with from time to time. We deal with this situation of where is God? Where'd he go? And what we see from the heart of David, I think, is less abandonment and more of the sense that God can, but he doesn't seem to be. God is, but I can't sense him. God knows, but he hasn't shared with me. Where are you, God? He's crying out from the darkness of his anguish. He's crying out from the middle of those dark moments in life that every single one of us deals with. He's dealing with that time, that road where you go, I don't think I can go on any further. I can't. I just can't. And he felt... And I think there's a key word here we need to grasp, and it's the idea of this feeling. He felt as if God had forgotten him. Talk about a dark experience. He feels like God's turned away from him. And he finds himself in this time of desperation. I think a lot of us can can relate to him. We would maybe even use his words and say, God, where are you? But notice where God's, excuse me, where David's focus is in this dark night. I want you to catch the focus because this is where we often get off track. And I want you to follow this thought line with me through to the end. Is that often when these times come, where are we looking? Are we looking in? Are we looking around? Are we looking up? Let's be honest. Often in those seasons, where are we? We're looking in. Oh, poor, pitiful me. We we, we have a a big party. You know what kind of party I'm talking about. A pity party. Oh, it's terrible. It's awful. It's bad. I can't believe. How long am I going to take counsel in my soul? I think there's a a thought there in verse 2 that we need to grasp. How much am I going to talk to myself? And some of you are going, well, I don't talk to myself. Oh, I'm going to confess. I talk to myself all the time. And here, I have conversations with myself that go thousands of conversations, you know? Not thousands of voices. Hang in there with me. Thousands of conversations, okay? And I talk to myself, and I have these arguments. I have these discussions. I talk to oh, Patrick, what are you going to do? How are we going to handle this? What? Oh, my goodness. And I get all frustrated with myself and frustrated with situations. Frustrated. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Y'all catch that. What David was doing, I think, is something that all of us can identify with. He is talking to himself about the issues at hand. He's focusing not on the answer. He's not focusing on who holds the answer, but he's focusing on the problem. What's my, he's talking to himself. He's saying, this is what I feel. This is what I think. This is where I'm at. And, and there's something very depressing to me about seeking counsel just in my limited mind. Why? Because my mind is limited. I don't have all the answers. Could I respectfully submit that neither do you? We think we can handle it. And on top of all that, David is facing this reality. And my enemies, when I fail, are going to go, Yay, you failed. Ha ha. Y'all ever run that thought through your head? If I mess up, they're all going to say, See, told you so. This is David feeling that. Notice the three areas he's struggling with here. His relationship with God, 
his relationship with himself, and even his relationship with his enemies. He's letting all of that stuff get in the way. Now, David knew that God had a special call on his life. Oh, by the way, so do you if you're a child of God. He has a special call on your life. Why do we sit around and go, well, it's pitiful, it's terrible, it's awful, God's something to do. When we forget the goodness of our God and the work in our lives he has done in the past and the work he wants to do today and what he's got planned for us tomorrow. We let the darkness creep in. David had let the darkness creep into his life. I'd love to know the context of when he wrote this psalm. Which, which, which dark season was he going through that he wrote this? You know, he had multiple dark seasons. Huh. So do we. So desperation inevitably comes to all of us. But look at verse 3 and 4. David goes on. He says this, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. I believe what he is getting ready to do, and he's making this turn in the text, and it's a turn that honestly is something we all have to think about. It all we'll have to consider. It all have to make at some point. We say, okay, who's in charge? Y'all are going to like this. Directing our attitude is up to who? It's up to us. Directing our attitude is up. You and I determine our attitude in life, how we're going to deal with life from day to day. David wasn't asking God to do two different things. He wasn't saying, God, would you consider me? Then would you answer me? He's saying, let's talk about this. He's repeating this for emphasis. He's making a declaration in the darkness. In the darkness of where he's at. And I think it's a darkness he's put himself in, but it's still a darkness nonetheless that he is saying this, I am going to turn away from self and I'm going to turn to God. I'm making a decision and I'm going to direct my attitude right now. He's not going to go down this road he's walking any longer and he refuses to wallow in darkness. Now, let's just be honest. Some of us love to wallow in darkness, don't we? We love to see the negative. We love to see the problems. We love to see the issues. We love to see, and we love to complain about it to anybody and everybody who will listen, and even some who won't. He's focusing here now on the answer instead of the problem. He's focusing on the one who can take a difference instead of on himself, and he's talking to himself about what he's feeling. He says, okay, self, wake up. Why are you living this way? Why are you living this way? Step up. And he lays out a pathway to go through this. And I want to lay them out for you. I didn't put it in the outline for you. But there's three thoughts that go with this part of it. He says, first of all, he asks God to consider his situation. Now, did God not know where David was? Did God not know what was going on in David's life? Of course he did. But so what he's not asking God, hey, God, uh, you forgot about me. Come down here. Come Can you take, uh, can you step? No, he's not. What he's saying is I need to get on your page, God. He says, I want you to consider, listen, the first, think back to the first section of the psalm. David said what? I don't think, God, you're listening. I think you've left me alone. You walked away. He, he felt all alone. But instead of remaining in the place where he believed God wasn't listening or even could listen, he says, I'm going to choose a better path. He says, I'm going to turn. I'm going to turn away from that to God. He turns to God in desperation, and he says, I'm going to talk to God. Did you catch that in the, t- in the psalm? Instead of talking to himself, now who's he talking to? He's talking to God. Man, he's making a good turn, right? 
Instead of saying, oh, look what I, oh, pitiful me. Oh, I don't know what to do. He said, okay, God, consider me, God. I want to, I want to know. I want you to light up my eyes. That's the second thought I want you to see. He, he, he says, God, would you give me a clear vision of what's really going on around us? Now, let's be honest. Often we get in those pity parties and those moments of darkness and moments of, of struggle, and we go, I think I know what's going on. And we look around at all this stuff and go, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad, this is awful, this is terrible. Oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? Am I the only one that goes through those seasons? But we're not seeing the reality of what's going on, are we? We're not seeing where God is at work in those moments, are we? And just because David felt it was a certain way did not mean it actually was that way. We sometimes forget our flawed thinking and our flawed reality of our sinful nature that we still struggle with. Even as followers of God, we struggle with it, don't we? It still creeps up and says, oh, you can't. This is bad. This is terrible. Whoa, hold up. And so what he realizes is, he says, my my vision is cloudy. I was talking to somebody this morning who's having cataract surgery. Uh, I helped my dad go through that. A year or so ago, and the first thing he said when he came out of surgery was, "You didn't leave me." No, the first thing he said, "Come on, y'all." The first thing he said is, "Things aren't cloudy anymore." Interesting, huh? Now I've not gone through cataract surgery, so I'm going to trust that he knew what he was talking about. But I've heard it from others. That's what he's asking here in this psalm. God, would you clear the cataracts? Would you clear my eyes up? Would you clear my, clear my vision up so I can see better? Clear me so I can see what's going on. Make my vision not cloudy. Light up my eyes. Light my eyes up so I can see what's going on. So often we are, we'll come to a working conclusion in a dark season that says this. We know what's true, but the reality is it's not. We'll conclude something's real, but it's not. And our darkened eyes can only see so much. David did not want to stay there in the darkness. He says, God, light me up. Light up my eyes. So I don't sleep this death sleep. So that my enemy doesn't get over this. And then he asked God to bring victory to his life in spite of all the darkness. He says, I'm going to redirect my focus. I am not going to stay here in the mess. God, you're going to open my eyes and I'm going to see what you're doing. And I'm going to follow you and life's going to be much better. David makes a decision to redirect his focus, to look not in, to not look out, but to look where? To look up. He says, I don't want to be trapped in this darkness. I don't want to be stuck in this darkness. I don't want to be stuck in this junk. I don't want to be stuck in this mess that we're in right now. And see, ultimately, the decision on how we respond to darkness is just like David. It depended on him, and it depends on us, as we're going to apply in just a moment. We choose our response. We choose our path forward. Therefore, we, in a real sense, choose our outcome. Why? Because we direct our choices. Third, or the second step of the two-step. Look at verse 5. And I want you to watch the tense, and they did a great job in the English Standard, I think in King James as well, to catch the tense of the words. And what I mean is past, present, future, that kind of stuff, the tense, okay? But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. And then he says, I will sing to the Lord. Because he has dealt bountifully with me. So, 
the next steps are on us. So we have to determine the next steps, okay? We made the decision. We're not going to stay in the darkness. Now we're going to look to God. What's next? I love that question. That's a great question in life, isn't it? I was talking to our daughter yesterday. I was like, she's about to graduate. Praise God. I said, what's next? She's still working on the net what next. She got some interviews this week and that kind of stuff. But what's next? Why? Why do we ask that question? Yeah, I want to get her off the payroll. Don't misunderstand. But the real reason we ask that is what? We want what's best in her life, right? We want what's best for her so she can find the next step in her life and become productive in society and make a difference and all those kind of cool things that we want. We have to do the same thing in our own lives. We have to determine our next steps, and it's on us to do that. As David understood despair comes to all people, and we have a decision we have to make of what we're going to focus, then he said, I've got to determine the next steps. And what he does is he starts in, t- in the past tense in verse 5, but quickly turns to the future. He says, God, I have trusted in your steadfastness. He says, oh yeah, I remember when you delivered me from that lion. Oh yeah, I remember when I took down that big big old ugly guy named Goliath. Oh yeah, I remember when you protected me when Saul was attacking me. Oh yeah, I remember. Every single one of us have got experiences in our past that we can look back and say, God, here's what you've done. Not that God forgot it, but we need to be reminded ourselves, don't we? You say, God, this is what you've done. Look at what the successes you've done in my life. Look at the protection you provided in my life. Look at the blessings you brought to my life. If you haven't found that in your life, something's missing in your life. I'm telling you, God will bring those to you in time as you follow him faithfully. But you can't stay there, can you? I've trusted in your steadfast, so therefore I will rejoice in your salvation. He says, God, I want to see the circumstance for what it is. I want you to bring victory again. I want you to bless me again. I want you to show your love again. I want to experience your presence again. You may not feel it very clearly, but let me what? Let me tell you something. Just because you don't feel his presence does not mean his presence is not there. He is. He remembered all of those times. And he would turn away from the darkness, though it may still be all around him. It may still be chasing him. It may still be coming into his life on, like in waves in an ocean. But he still says, God, you're still there. And then David does something that huh, a lot of us don't think about. Look at verse 6. I'm going to speak to the choir. Do y'all like singing? Well, that's a dumb question, isn't it? Y'all get up here on Wednesday nights and practice for six hours. No, not quite six hours. How do you feel when you leave choir practice? Good? It's not because how great your music leader is, though he's amazing. Don't misunderstand. It's because you've just done what for the last hour or so? You praised God. You were singing. There's something about us that we need to sing for praise. You're going, well, I can't sing. It's okay. Or as they said a hundred years ago, Ote buttwheat, it's all right, okay? The young ones didn't catch that reference, but that's all right. Charles Spurgeon once said this. He said, there's not half enough singing in the world. I remember a servant who used to sing while she was at the wash tub, and her mistress would ask her this, Why, Jane, how is it that you're always singing? And the girl said this, It keeps the bad thoughts Away. The first thing I do when I get in the car is hook up my device so I can listen to the music that will feed my soul and bless me on the whole four and a half minute drive home. 
I get in a car to go to Texarkana to make a visit or to take care of some church business, I put it in and plug it in so I can what? Feed my soul. Why do I do that? I'm not a great singer. Don't misunderstand. It's not about my ability. It's about the change it makes in our hearts. When we're choosing to live in God's presence, we will have a song in our hearts. And sometimes you go, I don't feel like singing. Put a song on. Listen to it. We're blessed that we have ways to do that much easier than just a radio station. See, God had worked in David's life, and David was reminding of, uh, reminded of what God had done. But before we rejoice, we have to come to the place where we go, I didn't see everything, but I know, God, your feelings are here. I'm going to follow you. Three quick things, and I'll be done. First of all, darkness comes to everybody. You may be here today and say, well, I'm not in a dark season of life. I'm glad for you. But let me tell you something. It's coming. It's coming. There's going to be an unexpected illness. There's going to be an unexpected loss in your family. Something's going to happen. You may lose your job. You're going to go, what in the world am I going to do now? Darkness comes to everybody. All of us face the season of darkness. All of us. I don't mean you have to get excited and go, oh, I'm looking forward to it. No, but you know it's going to come. And just like spring will turn back to winter in a hurry, Right? Those seasons will come. And then the next season comes. I'm reminded of the words of David in another psalm when he described the arrival of darkness in his life. See, he got it. These seasons came and they went. And he said, I'm going to get through these by crying out to the Lord. This is what he said, Psalm 140. He said, deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. Preserve me from violent men who plant evil things in their heart and stir up wars continually. They make their tongue sharp as a serpent and under their lips is the venom of asps. There's an ugly reality that in this world... Evil exists. Hardship exists. People who plan evil things in their hearts exist. People who stir up wars exist. Those who have sharp, venomous tongues exist. Those whose lips are filled with destruction exist. Can't get away from them. What's the old thing? Can't go around it. Can't go under it. You got to what? you got to go through it. That doesn't mean you have to get excited. It's coming. Or go, oh, I'm looking forward to it. But the question becomes, when those seasons come, that darkness comes, will you sink into despair or will you rise above with the Lord's help? Where are you going to be? And even if we find ourselves in the darkest moments, the darkest times, the darkest seasons, we can still make a choice that says this, I'm going to follow God. Come what may. You know, only a fool says darkness won't come. And only a fool doesn't anticipate how to handle them when they come. God, we're going to follow you. Number two, ask God to lighten your eyes. Lighten your eyes. As we walk through darkness, it's, it's, it's very easy, isn't it, to think, man, this is all there is, all there ever will be. It will never get better. It's easy to say that. And, and, and on one level, I suppose, if you, if you decide you're going to stay there, you probably will stay there forever. But instead, how about asking God to do what David did? Light my eyes. Show me the path forward. Show me a better path. Show me a better direction. It's dark and it's dark, but I'm not going to stay here. For a follower of God, there has to be a moment when we turn and say, God, I'm not going to keep staying here. I'm going to follow you forward. Sometimes these seasons are out of our control, aren't they? Who gets to control a diagnosis of cancer? Who gets to control the death of a spouse? Who gets to control the loss 
of a loved one. Sometimes these things just happen, right? How are we going to go through it? I'm reminded of Peter. Peter's one of my favorite characters outside of Jesus in the Bible. Over Matthew 26, we have a, a situation. If you remember the story on the day, uh, the day before uh, uh, Jesus was crucified, Peter had done something pretty dastardly. Y'all remember he denied Jesus, what, three times? And he felt pretty bad about it because Jesus looked over and says, but I thought you were better than this. Can you imagine? You think, man, I'm worthless. I messed up. Terrible. Why would I... Can you imagine if Peter had stayed in that mindset? We'd be missing some books in the New Testament. We'd be missing some stories in the New Testament, right? Because there's things happened later that he did that were like, wow, look at that. Do you remember how that switched, how that changed? Some of us would be concluding we're done, but that's not what happened. In the dark season of his life, Peter and the others ended up at the shore of Galilee. And you remember the encounter, Jesus was out there on the shoreline and they were out fishing and, and he says, hey, cast your net on this side. And they pulled in all these fish and they come running into the ocean from the, from the water and they have fish with Jesus and all that kind of cool stuff. After that was over, Peter and Jesus had a conversation and Jesus asked Peter basically three times, do you love me? Yeah, Jesus, I said it the first time, I love you. But do you love me? Yeah. Do you love me? I mean, a third time, you kind of get, does he not believe it? I'm really, come on. And here's what happened in that situation. Jesus said to Peter the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because Jesus said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, well, good for you. You failed back there, so I'm done with you. That's not what he said. He said what? Get busy. Going on with life. Serving in the kingdom of God. Doing the right thing. See, some of us have allowed the darkness of our lives, the dark moments of our lives to, to close in on us. And, and, and we are not willing to turn to God and say, God, lighten up my eyes. Let me see the next step. Let me see what you have for me today. Tomorrow, the next day. God wants to do good things in your life, but you're going to have to turn to him and say, God, show me. I'll be there. And then third, we've got to do a constant check. We need to constantly check our focus. What are we looking at? There's a principle I think we can add to our lives as a result of the inevitability of darkness and living in the, with a heart following God. And it's this. We say, God, I want to check my focus. You know, as we live this life, it's easy for all of us, to allow our focus to drift, isn't it? We get serious about the Lord. We get serious about spending time with His Word. We spend serious, serious about spending time and faithfully gathering with other believers. And then something happens and we kind of start drifting away. That happens to all of us, by the way. Maybe it's the old nature that we still struggle with. We get off the straight and narrow and we end up in the ditch somewhere. And it's a way to diminish that tendency in our lives. We need to do something that's important. We need to stop and check our focus. What am I looking? What am I doing? Who's in the middle of, where, of my life? What is my, what's, where's my heart at? The Colossians church struggled with this very issue. And Paul pointed out uh, and reminded them of this. He says, if you have, if you have been raised with Christ, do what? Figure out what you want to do, set your own goals, and move forward. No. He said, do this. 
Seek the things that are above. What are the good stuff? Where's the godly stuff? Where's the holy stuff? Where's the great things in our lives? Set the things that are, set, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And then he goes on and says what? Set your minds there. Don't just seek it, but set your mind. So this is where I'm going. This is who I am. This is who God's doing in my life. This is my future. This is my direction. And not be focused on the things of this earth. I don't think Paul was telling the Colossians, just don't feed your kids anymore and don't care for your family. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is really let the more important things take priority and be focused. And that all begins when we turn to Christ and we follow him. When we say, Lord, I'm going to let you lead my life and not me. I'm going to let you be Lord and not me. When we make those decisions, then we begin to see God move in our lives in amazing ways. Maybe you're here today and you've never made that decision. You need to make it. Maybe you've made it. You need to make it public. We want to give you the opportunity. Maybe you need to become part of this fellowship today. I don't know where God is leading you today, but there are things that we have to do on a regular basis to keep us moving forward with the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come into your house to look at this Psalm of David and think about where we need to go with our lives and where we're letting ourselves dwell. Are we in the darkness feeling it's hopeless and there's no chance? Or do we understand that we may be in the darkness, but God, you've got a path forward and you will bring light in your time. We pray that, God, you will help us to respond as you lead us, help us to be people who are faithful to you. In Jesus' name, amen.